John Wimber said at one point, and I'm not exactly sure where it was, but he said, uh, read the book, do the stuff. Um, he was famously a little short on occasion with people who were asking what he thought were silly questions. And essentially that sums up most of what following Jesus is about. It's not a spectator sport. It's not about having your head filled with all the wonderful ideas in the world. It's about finding out what's necessary and getting out there and doing it. And this applies um, just as much with uh, when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to look at these over the next couple of weeks. But to lay the platform today, um, it's not comprehensive, it's not a theological treatise, it's just a motivation to say, let's get out there and do the stuff. Let's be open to exactly what God has for us. Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthian church in his first letter at the end of chapter 12, before he goes into that wonderful passage in 13 about love, he says in the old translation, earnestly desire these gifts as he's been talking. And those gifts we'll look at in a minute, but it's also the gift of the community of believers to the world. But he says, passionately, um, earnestly, um, energetically, even eagerly desire these gifts because they're a gift not just for ourselves but for the healing and the restoration of the entire world. Peter, writing a little bit later probably, uh, in 1 Peter, his first letter, chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, we've looked at this on a number of occasions from a different perspective, but let's look at it from this way. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Now, this whole thing of serving, this gift, the word that we are going to be uh, looking at in terms of spiritual things, gifts, gift, grace, they all come out of the base word charis, grace, as we know it. But here it is. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve other, others faithfully administering God's grace. So there's a play in, on words here. We use different ones in English of gift and grace in its various forms. And we know those various forms of God's grace are the um, poikilos grace of God, this multifaceted, multidimensional, variegated grace of God that meets every single situation. And he's saying, Peter's saying to the early church that he's writing to, we've all got gifts. We all are open to these gifts, and we are these gifts are to be used in serving each other and others around us with the grace of God. If anyone speaks, he should do it with one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory, etc., etc. Now what we have here is in a very real sense Peter and Paul saying the same thing. They're saying, do you know what? We have a mandate. We are stewards of what God has promised. We are the bearers, the ambassadors, the holders of all that God has for the world. If we sit on our hands, it's not going to happen. It, 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 it requires you and I to actually get up and do something, read the book and do the stuff. Now, to a large extent, the church has thought that if they think things 
if the, if their belief structures are right and if they meet together and they do all those lovely things, then that's really what God requires. And in the early days of the church, after Jesus's death, and as we read a couple of weeks ago in John 20, after the resurrection, Jesus appears to them and they still, they are waiting behind locked doors. And 50 days later at Pentecost, they are waiting behind locked doors, waiting and hoping. And I think that what we've got to get to is a place where we are really expectant. That we, this is not some sort of vague hope that we will see some of these things, but that this is an expectancy that we encourage each other to over the next while. We can be waiting forever. We can be uh, looking and hoping and waiting for the next great outpouring. But in fact, Pentecost can come every day if we expect it. If we are willing to be alert and expectant to what the Spirit is doing in us and around us. And so the real truth for, for me at this point is that there's nothing more that needs to happen. We just need to take the risk of stepping out, of getting out of the boat, of expecting that when we do something, God will do through us what he needs to do in a particular uh, circumstance. We, we can go on waiting for some um, mystical outpouring of the Holy Spirit to happen in, in, in some random way, but it really happens when we get moving when we stop being spectators and start to do what God has called us to do. The Spirit of God is, is all around and has been from the beginning. He was brooding, hovering over the chaos of creation. And out of that, as God spoke, there is formed the beauty and the Eden that God um, creates in that first holy week. What he's wanting to do now through us as we come and live and speak and, and um, have our existence in, in a corrupt and broken world is to, through us, brood and hover into situations so that reconciliation, restoration, healing and beauty again is the order of the day. But we must be expectant of it. We must be aware and alert to the fact that this is really what God wants to do. And so whether we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the immersing, being immersed in the Holy Spirit, or the anointing of the Holy Spirit, or the fullness of the Holy Spirit, as we saw with Pentecost when the disciples were in that room and it was filled with the Holy Spirit, and so were they, that it's an experience, a fresh and powerful experience, a life-transforming experience of God's Spirit. And we should eagerly desire and long for and earnestly pray for that kind of experience for ourselves and that the Spirit of God will work in us and through us. That we are stewards of the charis of God. The charismata will flow through us. Those gifts will be part of who we are. Now, we speak of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but let's just clear this right at the beginning. The Holy Spirit is the gift that God gives us. He is the gift. This is, this is a relationship. This is personal. This is not some uh, small 
little modules that are being thrown into us when we need it. We have a relationship with our Heavenly Father through His Son Jesus in the power of God's Spirit. It is this relationship that we're talking about when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, the several uh, distinct gifts that Paul talks about. But we are essentially saying we have been gifted the presence of the Almighty in the Spirit. And that's important to, to talk about it in, in, in the singular and in the plural. The gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts, the several distinct things that the Holy Spirit does in and through us as the community of Jesus. So let me read from 1 Corinthians and then let me read from Romans and then make a few comments. 1 Corinthians 12 is, it starts off like this. Now about spiritual gifts. And the word um, pneumaticos there is really about spirituals. These things which are spiritual, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led, led astray by mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, charismaticos, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, diaconia, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. So Paul is saying right up front what I've just said. It's the gift of God that we receive. We all have all of these things. It's a, an understanding that it's the Spirit of God who has all of these gifts at His disposal that resides with us. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to, to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one, the, of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one, just as He determines. Now I think in the past, it's safe to say that a lot of teaching about these gifts were that you got one gift and that was it. You got the gift of discernment or healing or something, prophecy, and that was it. You had it. And I think that we've come to understand over the decades where we have been looking at this and seeing the practice of the charismatic element of our faith, that the people who begin to exercise a gift often become proficient in it, and it's purely because they continue to practice it. Some people have a very powerful prophetic thing, and that is part of the gift to the church, but they continue to step out and to speak in that particular way. It doesn't preclude them from being able to 
see healing or miracles or discernment. It just means that they have become more practiced and proficient in that. It's, it's like golf. Uh, I forget which one of the professional players, uh, when he hit a hole in one, someone said, oh, that was lucky. And he said, yeah, the amazing thing is the more I practice, the luckier I get. And in that sense, what we are saying is that when we begin to see God, the Spirit of God working through us in a particular way, we, we become more and more courageous and bold in stepping out and doing that. There's always the element of faith, but we become more alert to that particular aspect of the Spirit's ministry in and through us. And so we grow in stature and mature. But all of these gifts are open to all of us all the time because we have all been given and received as a gift the Spirit of God. So Paul writes out this list and then he, he, he carries on and he says, all of these work the, are the work of the one and the same Spirit. All of this is the multifaceted work of God of which we are stewards, the grace, the charis of God. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So there's that side of it. There is another list for people who love lists and much has been made of this. But there's the Romans 12 passage. And we know the first part so well about, um, Therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. But then he, it goes on in verse 3 to say this. For by the grace given to me, the charis, the poikilos grace, the multifaceted grace of God, given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, charismata, according to the grace, the charis, given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. In other words, small, large, as he's growing, whatever. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And what Paul is saying, here's another list of, of the grace gifts of the Spirit, working in and through the medium of God's choice, his body, his people. And the point I want to make now when I look at this list is that people make a distinction between serving gifts and the gifts of the Spirit. These are all gifts of the one and the same Spirit. And Paul is saying here, if you have whatever gift you have, encourage it, develop it, exercise it, do what is necessary to see it flourish and mature. And the Spirit of God will work in and through you. And he's saying to them and to us, I believe now, that we make a distinction between natural and supernatural, between practical and mystical, between the ordinary and the extraordinary. 
Paul is just pulling these things out of the air as he's, as he's writing this and saying, these are all part of the gift of the Holy Spirit to the church and through the church to the communities that we live in. And we ought to be eagerly, earnestly, passionately desiring what God is about to do in and through us. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Those are the gifts that the Spirit of God gives to the world through us. Read the book and do the stuff. Earnestly desire, eagerly look for the way in which God's Spirit is going to work in and through you and I in the days and weeks that lie ahead. Anticipate, be expectant that we will begin to see prophecies and healings. We will begin to see people leading and giving generously. We will begin to see discernment of spirits. We will begin to see the same things that Jesus did and even greater things begin to happen through us when we are expectant of seeing God's Spirit actively involved in and through our little lives. So, go back and read these passages. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. And then say, Lord, what do you want from me? Read the book and do the stuff. <music>